Welcome to KNUK's Kind to Your Mind podcast. There's power in talking and here in this safe space, we talk openly about well-being in all its forms. Hello, I'm Blee. In this episode, me and Emma have an extremely insightful conversation with our guest Anthony about the journey that he went on with his dad, who had early onset Alzheimer's. From discussing the lack of support and awareness that surrounds the illness, to advice and the importance of accepting the world of Alzheimer's for what it is, there is plenty of knowledge to take away from this one. So sit back, relax and open your ears. So, Anthony, thanks for joining us today. Um, Would you be able to start off by just giving us a brief overview of Alzheimer's, please? I will. It's one of them illnesses where it's 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 commonly known as as an old person's disease. You know, you get a lot of nans and granddads that are are often, um, unfortunately, diagnosed with such a a devastating illness. And basically what it is, it's a build of proteins within the brain, which if I can easily describe it as a, a Christmas tree with Christmas lights, so what these proteins do, they start breaking down. And if you can imagine the Christmas lights just starting to turn off and that's memories yeah. and, and sparks within your brain that are just slowly turning off. And unfortunately, there's no time scale either. You can be diagnosed and, and go downhill quite fast or you can get different types. I believe there's there's around 156 different types of, of Alzheimer and dementia. And the two are totally different, by the way. There's a there's a common known that you've got Alzheimer's and you've got dementia. They're two different things. It's dependent on how the proteins break down in your brain. Will depend on what the diagnosis is, either being an Alzheimer diagnosis or a dementia diagnosis. No, thank you, thank you for that context because I did do some research. But for me, I was trying to figure out the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's it, it, it's difficult. It is difficult, and and like I was saying, there's there's not a a great deal of, of of exposure for it. And unless you've lived with somebody or you're a care or you know somebody, it's not really out there a lot. You've touched on it there. So what is your your experience with, with so, Alzheimer's? Um, and I guess following on from that, why is it you feel it's important to talk about that? On yeah, well, um, I've been unfortunate. Um, three members of my family were diagnosed with, with Alzheimer's. Both of my nans had it uh, in their late 80s. So it was... Still, it was devastating, but I knew about it at quite an early age. But my main, my, my most recent one was my dad. About 52, he, he completely changed. His, his, his mindset of life changed and he stopped going out and he'd become a completely different character. Then at 54, he was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, front label, and the same of what Bruce Willis has got. And that diagnosis just, just rocked the family. You know, 54... He was an outgoing man. You know, he worked all his life. He was a proper pub man, loved going out with his mates. And it just stopped overnight. You know, we do think of Alzheimer's and and dementia happening to older people. But as you've just said, you know, your dad was quite young. Was this something that he noticed in himself changing? Or was it, you know, people closer to him, like yourself, perhaps noticing these changes? We noticed it, and again, like I said, he, he was up and he was out and about. He'd go out all the time, and he'd pop in for a pint after work with 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 his mates, and and that stopped. And we we originally thought he was depressed because he mm-hmm. recently lost his mom, so we were putting it all against yeah. a little bit of depression, maybe. And you know, he was he's a man of, of of that age where you know that stigma was there that oh, I'm not depressed, you know, I just won't go out. And men don't speak, you know, and we, we've that's huge. And I'm a big big seller on that um so we did notice it and we're like get him to the doctors you know let, let's see what's going on and he wouldn't go 
he wouldn't go for for a good eight no. months. I mean, it was little things like he'd forget where he put his keys. You know, he was putting his wallet in yeah. the fridge. Made simple things like making a sandwich. He couldn't understand money, but he still understood us. So we had no reason to go down the Alzheimer route. You know, because if you look at depression or stuff like that, you know, a lot of them traits were, is he, is he depressed? Is he going through a little bit of a breakdown? But being the man he was, yeah. he wouldn't go to the doctors until he was basically, I think he scared himself a few times. So he evidently went to the doctors and then it took him, it took a good 12 months to get the diagnosis at 54 um, that he was suffering with front label. So how did it feel when that diagnosis did come in then? Personally, seeing my nans and then I, I literally dove, I dived into it of, of trying to see what was next, what was coming, you know, what to expect, how long have I got? That was the big one I had. How, there's no cure for Alzheimer's at the minute. I'm a, I'm a member of the Alzheimer's Society and they're constantly coming up with, way, oh, we've got this drug coming out. America are big on it. You know, there, there's a big push in America for, there's a new drug coming out, I can't remember the name, that really slows the progress down. But then when, when my dad had it, there was nothing. You know, there was there, were, there was stuff they could get given. Uh, he was on tramadol to um, try and slow it and put him in a better place. But yeah, it, it rocked me for, for 10. It did all the family as well. I've got two mm-hmm. two children and obviously their granddad has been diagnosed with this life-ending mm-hmm. disease yeah. as such. Yeah, so yeah, nice. it was yeah. it wasn't great. It wasn't great. No. Yeah, how how really did you manage difficult. to stay positive? Yeah, during this time because obviously, like you just said, it completely rocked rocked everything yeah. for you. So how did you cope with that and you know stay positive and obviously have to be there for him also? Everybody that knows me um, will vouch that I am. It takes a lot to break my spirit. It does. It takes an awful lot. And I felt like I needed to be strong for him because from the diagnosis, I became, it's not his full-time carer because obviously I was still in full-time employment. But as soon as I finished work, I actually moved next door so I could be close just to be there for him. Do you know what I mean? To He must be scared. He must have been going through it and thinking, right, what's coming? Every day was going to be different with my dad. And I don't know. I just, I threw, I threw myself into looking after him. And that's how I stay yeah. positive, you know, and being there for my girls and, and my mom, it was obviously, it was been, it just been diagnosed with this, this awful, awful disease. And, you know, it was difficult, but I had good friends around me as well. This we might be a, a question you can't, you don't know the answer to, but how, how do you think your, your dad sort of felt? Did you ever talk to him about it without wanting we to did. delve too deeply? We, 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 no, 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 no. Um, we did talk and <laughs> because he'd seen his mom go through it, there was a saying that he always said to me, never let me get like that. And knowing I couldn't stop him getting like that, I always just agreed with him and went, yeah, don't worry. I'll, uh, I won't let you get like that. Because towards the, the latter stages before he, um, he got took into a residential home, I, it's the same thing I was just telling him because he forget. And in Alzheimer world, they do forget. So them small white lies, even though they're white lies to you, they don't know the difference. So it was just about me coming to terms with, if my dad says that's what it is, just agree with him, you know, and I was always, I'd always reassure him. Deep down, I knew I couldn't, I wasn't reassuring him for myself. I was reassuring him that he'd be okay. And, you know, we'd get, we'd get through it as a team. Like, And with regards to like, you, you were obviously working full time, you've got your children there and then you're trying to uh, care for your father as well. So how did you manage to juggle all of that? It must have been, you know, extremely stressful, worrying time for you. How yeah, did you cope? I mean, work was great. 
work were really really yeah. good and and having a, a um a works a work mind behind me that knowing that i didn't have to worry about work as much you know position i'm in mm-hmm. um was going to be there when i got in so if i got up and my dad had, had a bad night i i had reassurance from work it's okay you know get in when you need to leave when you need to and having that was a massive relief you know because i was worried about work yeah and you Sorry, you mentioned that you moved in next door. Next and, door, yeah. And along with obviously work being flexible, I'm just intrigued to sort of try and picture what a, a sort of day today was. There a normal day, or was it so take sort of yeah. as, as they come? So towards my time, obviously, 54 he was diagnosed, and then at 58 he was he was sectioned. So because looking back, we probably had him about a year longer than we should have. We never reached out. We thought we could do it ourselves. A little bit because I was just holding on to every last little bit that I could before evidently he was taken into the care system because we we just didn't have that experience. So, yeah, a typical day, uh, Monday to Friday, my mom became his full full time carer. So she'd stay at home with him all week so I could break away at nights. She'd break away. I'd become his sort of carer. And at weekends, she'd go away and I'd have him all weekend. Um, from Saturday sun- from Saturday morning till Sunday when she come back. And what the way we got through it is you had to learn to laugh <laughs> because yeah. in a weird in a weird way, he was doing funny things, saying funny things. I mean, there was one weekend, he used to love the football. He'd love watching football. And he convinced himself he was there. And in his world, he was. And why not let him enjoy that a little bit? So I went, I went around to see him, you know, he'd come in and he went, bloody hell, I've just come back from Newcastle. He'd been in the front room, but in his head, he'd been there. And then you get into that whole conversation. What was it like, Dad? You know, oh, did you have a good time? You know, did you see your mate say, yeah, he was great, you know, since such and such, since such and such there, you know. He'd really been there. And you know what? I found that amazing that he'd, in his head, he'd just come back from Newcastle when, in fact, he he hadn't left his front room. So we had to learn Mm. to take them special moments. They weren't real, but you know what? It didn't matter that they weren't real because they were real to him. Really Absolutely, it is. Yeah, it is, and that's that's one of, of of hundreds of stories where he'd said something that wasn't real, but you know what? It didn't matter because it was real to him. You know, and exactly. for that split second, yeah. he was happy. So, with regard to the grandchildren, how did you, yeah. uh, you know, approach the conversation with them, and and how was it for them having to see, you know, their granddad um, going through this? My dad was never great with names. Anyway, before that, and he always used to call my girls the little one and the big one. Even before the, the diagnosis, it was, oh, here they come, little and the big one. And it was just what he used to say. So that, because it was repetitive and with Alzheimer's, repetitive is good. The same thing every day, it makes it easier. So we tried to keep it. As soon as they finished school, they went around there. Here come the little and big one. And they sort of were okay with that because they weren't seeing the big changes. You know, he'd forgot to to brush his teeth he didn't know how to make a cup of tea we kept that away from him a little bit and we kept the good bits that they could see yeah and that's how we got until he got to towards the end you know when he got to I think it was early when he, he turned 57 you know you could really you know the weight loss started he'd forget to eat he'd forget to drink and then we sort of just had to shield him and we made we put the onus on them big decisions for, for such small girls but I felt it was mm-hmm. the right thing to do they knew what they were going they, they knew what was going on um, because it would have been wrong to shield them. And we put the onus on them. And the one 
then said, I wouldn't I want to remember him as I did. I don't really want to see him anymore because he was starting to shout. He was getting a lit he was going the other way then because he was getting frustrated. Yeah. Um, but the little one, it was me saying it, she wanted to keep going to see him. And and she did right up until about a year before he passed. They took it like troopers. We had our bad days. We all did. You know, we all had our cries. Evidently we can't always be superhuman. We are all only human and we have emotions. Was was there any support out there to sort of help? Help you and so, your family. When my dad had it, it was still, and to this day, I speak to people and mentors such or, or try and share my experience with two colleagues that are currently going through it. If I'm being honest, the support is shocking. The government are not doing enough. There's all these campaigns and, and awareness sessions and for, for other illnesses, rightly so, rightly so. But I believe Alzheimer's should be just the same. You know, it's one in three now. And I believe, unless it's changed over the last few months, it's it's the UK's biggest killer. You know, it's it's huge, wow. but it's undiagnosable at the early stages. You know, so it's very difficult to get a diagnosis. And I hear people now saying, oh, my dad's got dementia. The doctors have said it. Has he had a diagnosis? No, they've just put it down to old age dementia. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's getting it when you're old and there's getting it at 54. You know, that's not old age. It's an illness that's out there. The support was shocking to the point where the, the, the day he got he got sectioned, he had to get sectioned to get taken away. Um, he'd gone six days with um, no sleep. So he had he had acute insomnia. He was didn't know where he was. So we phoned the ambulance and social services come out and, and they sent they sectioned him. And then the medication started. And even the, the social service lady said, how long has he been like this? And we were like, well, he's been like this for about six months. Um, but he hasn't slept for six days. They went, he should have been in a care home by now. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody? Say if somebody's recognising certain changes in their parents' or partners' behaviour, what would be your advice to them if they've got any concerns and, and you know, they're thinking maybe this could be something such as Alzheimer's? Get them into the doctors, ASAP. Get the symptoms, get everything down. Don't Don't shy away from it. Easier said than done, I know. And it's easy me coming on here after I've lived and breathed it. And, you know, unfortunately, my dad's now passed away. However, if I'd have known what we did when he was 52 and we seen the signs of it and we thought it was depression and somebody said to me, have you not thought of Alzheimer's? 50 to 52? Come on, it's real. You know, it's real. Just go to the doctors and say, look, they're, they're, they're forgetting stuff. You know, they're misplacing stuff. They're forgetting my name. And it's just little things. And you laugh it off sometimes. Oh, you forgot to, you know, you put cold water in your tea. You haven't the kettle. It's them little things. I forgot where my keys are. We all do it. He checked the door 75 times. We all do it. But it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that it's Alzheimer's either because we all do them little things. So it can be unrecognisable to begin with. Um, it's whether it continues. Yeah. I know you kind of said it there, but is there anything just you'd have thought that you could go back in time and tell yourself at the start of the journey, been that one piece of advice that you wish you had back then? <laughs> Yeah, if I could, if I look back to what we went through then four years before he, he got took into the care system, um, it would be a, a, I suppose I'd reverse that and I had to take away from myself, give myself a little bit of time to relax because I didn't. For, for four years, it was, I was just solely concentrating on making sure my girls were seeing him, but hidden from the bad bits, making sure he was okay. Had he eaten in the morning? You know, is he drinking? Is he took his tablets? Is all of that go back and just think right it's not going to work for a couple of hours it can't go anywhere doesn't leave the house go and take yourself away for a few hours 
because I didn't. And a little bit of self-help for myself might have just made it that little bit easier. You know, you mentioned that obviously the memory loss is the first thing that comes to mind, isn't it? For a it lot is. of people when it you is. think of uh, this sort of thing. But what are some of the other sort of behavioural changes that can come with it especially is it a bit further along once it's progressed yeah. a bit no obviously well my dad was he was an outgoing guy so mm. it wasn't the memory loss to begin with it's just he didn't want to leave the house he'd become mm. a different person and what my dad had front label took the now away to begin with so i've just put my keys there forgot where they are so he didn't take the older stuff away to begin with it took the here and now so the today mm-hmm. um and because it took the today he'd forget what he did the day before. So that repetitive become the norm. So he didn't want to go out then the pub for a pint because he wasn't sure how to get back, but he didn't tell us that. We just thought he was just staying in. And it, it's a change in character is a big one, you know, because once it, it really took control, he was he was completely different. You know, there was mood swings, there was anger. Um, there was all, there was, there was everything that comes into it. And here's a different, and here's, here's a mad one. He loved fish. He'd eat fish all the time. He'd never eat fish when he got Alzheimer's. So doesn't like it. Wow. Yeah. So his food changed. You know, he'd smoked all his life. He stopped like that. So I don't smoke. You did that. You used to smoke every day. Stop smoking. And it's them little things, you know. You forget to eat fish. You've ate fish all your life. He doesn't like it, according to him. When it's... But that's in Alzheimer's world. Yeah, that's right. Well, we won't give you fish again. Don't worry about it. He used to be a shop blaster and, and shop blasted all the bridges around the country. But to everybody else, once he got Alzheimer's, he was a bricklayer. He'd never laid a brick in his life, but he had in his world, in his new world, as we as we should call it. And I call it Alzheimer's world, and a lot of people do. Everything's right in Alzheimer's world. You don't need to argue with him because in their world, it's right. Yeah, so you kind of go into that world with him for the reassurance and, and, and just you know living these moments with him. Yeah, it was fantasy, but you know what? It made him happy. Everything's right in Alzheimer's world. And that's that's where it's hard sometimes because they're saying something that you know is wrong and you want to convince them, no, it's not right. You've never been a bricklayer. You've shot blasted all your life. Why do they need to know that they haven't bricklaid all their life when it's not going to change anything? And mm-hmm. as the quicker that you come to accept that they're not going to get that memory back, the easier it becomes. Acceptance is a big one for people as well. Um, again, it's easy for me to come on here and say it. It's not easy for somebody that's living it today. Yeah, well, thank you. It was very. This is very informative. I mean, it's completely changed how I think I would converse with somebody who did have dementia or Alzheimer's. I'd have thought that you were trying to show them pictures and trying to get them to remember no. things. But actually, what you yeah. say makes complete sense when you think about it. it does. There's no point it in trying because... to convince them. <laughs> yeah, and why upset? Why upset them? Exactly. Why upset them? A lot of the time he was asking for his mom. You know, his, his mom had been dead for six, seven years. She'll be there later. Don't worry, she'll come and see you after. Yeah, they don't know any different. And it's like I said, yeah, then white lies make all the difference to them. And whenever when he was in the home um before towards the end, um, I'm just popping to get a drink. You never have to say you're going, because then goodbye is goodbye, and it could, you know, what do you mean you're going? Just going to get a drink. They don't know you're not coming back. You'd come back the next day. Mm. Oh, how, how are you doing? You okay? Just been and got my drink, according to them. Mm. Yeah. It sounds horrible and awful, but it's not. You know, it's it makes it just that little bit easier. 
definitely. No, I can I can see I can see why it would, but like I say, it's just a complete different. <laughs> it's just a complete different it way is, of thinking. I didn't consider it is, before. It is. It's like I said. It's one of them that the, the self awareness and the, the awareness for the whole the, the whole country. It's just not there, you know. And I, I do believe it needs to be. Well, you're doing your bit, so don't you know? Don't. <laughs> I like to think I am, and if I'm just doing a little bit, then it it, it makes me feel that little bit better. It does, and everybody else that I touch hopefully feels that little bit at ease with with what's coming. And if they unfortunately get to go through something as as horrific as as Alzheimer's, hmm. um, yeah. Because it's it's not nice. It's not. No, but you could see that you know the compassion, the love, the patience that you've obviously had here, and mm. you know that's something that you can you know look into your future and just think to you know what I, I did something so wonderful to be there to be there for him. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah, I think it's amazing. I think you're brilliant, and thank you so much for inspiring thank us you. with all with all this and being so open. Yes, thank thank you very much, Anthony. Is there is there anything that you you want to add? Is there any takeaways that you'd like people to to sort of go and ponder? No, or? just 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 reach out. You know, if it's just reach out to anybody and talk. You know, it's not an easy subject. There is this taboo um, that Alzheimer's and dementia is. Oh, they're going to forget me and this and that. You know, go on that journey with them. Go on that Alzheimer journey. You know, once you're on that journey. It's a weird and wonderful place to be. It's fantasy sometimes. It is. You know, I've revered back to him going to Newcastle on that one day. Been at the Newcastle game. He hadn't he hadn't left the front room. But we went on this journey of, you know, I asked him what he was like and what he had up there. And, you know, he was answering me as if he'd really been there. So just, you know, go on that journey with them um, and learn to laugh at the funny elements of it. You know, because Alzheimer's mm-hmm. does make them say some weird and wonderful things smile with the good moments you know because there'll be some tough moments so if you can just take the positives away it makes them negatives just a little bit easier definitely no well thank you very much i think that's probably going to do us for the episode if, if there's nothing else you want to ask emma no I, th- actually, no I think we've touched on so much and it's it's just been such a lovely lovely podcast um i think we've covered a lot thank you so much yeah, thank you. It has been an incredibly insightful podcast and I've come away with um, so much more knowledge than I had beforehand. So yeah, really, really big thanks to you for joining us and thank you obviously to Emma for co-hosting along with me. Now I should just encourage anybody listening who would like to share their story in a similar way to how you have done today to get in touch with us. If you email uk.wellbeing at kuna-nagel.com um, and say you want to get involved with the podcast and sort of give us a brief overview of what it is you want to talk about, we'll get back to you and we will arrange um, a recording. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. But with that being said, it's thank you very much to everybody for listening and thank you, you two, for such a great conversation today and goodbye. Thanks all. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>